0: It is time for We Are Just Christians live from Savona
1: Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Smith and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning and welcome to We Are Just Christians. We're so glad that you've tuned into the show today. We really appreciate it. And we hope that you'll tune in again every week, 9 o'clock on WPSL for We Are Just Christians. Normally this is a live call-in show, but today this is a recording. Me, Mike Schmidt, I had to be out of town today, so we're recording the show about a week in advance. So if we make some references uh, to current events that seem kind of outdated, it's because this is a recording from about a week ago. But we're glad that you tuned into the show today, and so we'll not be taking any calls, but I will give you some information about how to text us and how to email us that you can do uh, at your convenience, even though we probably won't be able to respond to that today. Now, if you'd like to reach, we are just Christians. You can email us at justchristians at att dot net. Justchristians at att dot net. That's the number how to get a hold of us by email. If you'd like to text us, both Gary Jones and I uh, have text numbers very similar. Mine is seven seven two two six zero six one two zero, and Gary's is seven seven one two six zero seven seven two. What I say seven seven one right. Uh, sorry my, I'm sorry about that. That's my area code from when I was a kid. 772-260-6220. Two zero. Thanks for catching that. But you can text us anytime during the week or any time like that and with a question or comment or criticism, whatever it may be. But We Are Just Christians is about being just a Christian in the 21st century here and trying to go back to that as the standard for our religious and personal lives rather than the traditions and creeds and ideas of men, whether they are religious or secular, but living according to the New Testament pattern given to us by Jesus Christ. We make no apology for our, for our what we would call, preconditions or presuppositions. We'll be glad to defend those, because everybody has presuppositions they live by. They nope. just always, don't always recognize them as such. If you want to call about that or text me about that, go ahead. We will be glad to to have a discussion about that, but ours is uh, that we do believe in God, uh, the God of the Bible, Jehovah, as he's often called, and we believe that Jesus Christ is his son, and he came and died for our sins and rose again on the third day. Based upon that, he gave us his word to live by, and he will judge us by that word. So we believe that in understanding and learning the text of the scriptures carefully and plainly, Without all the accoutrements and additions that men have put on it over the last two thousand years, uh, to to live exactly, but to live exactly as Christ outlined for us, and so that's why our worship here at the Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard may seem a little simple to some, but it's very direct from the heart. It's what they did in New Testament times. We know that from historical records, and um, the other things that we do and we don't do will indicate just a plain understanding of the scriptures. And if you'd like to go back and see what it's like to be just a Christian and not part of some denomination or not part of some secular type religion which people are practicing today, then come and visit with us. We'll be glad to uh, have you here. We're not going to ask you for your money or anything like that. You'll find it's very simple and straightforward.
0: Anyway, I I, I would say that if, if you're interested in you know, Mike and I believe the inspired word of God, the Bible. Basically, that's what we believe. And I, I think I speak for Mike when I say that's what we try to model how we worship God after. Sure. And I'm going to quote a passage that I have before. I'm, I know I'm boring some of you who listen out there, but John 12 and verse 48, Jesus says specifically... He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day.
1: Yep, that's and, exactly the point I was making before, that Jesus said he's going to judge us by his word. So it behooves us to find out what it is. You know, right. We're having a class, for example, on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock here at the building right now on how to study the Bible for this very reason, to point you personally to the text of the Scriptures to teach you not in some sec- not in some sectarian way, but in a plain way, how to read the text before you, understand it in pieces and bits, and put that together in a straightforward, ground-up approach. Not from the approach of "here's what this denomination or church or historical council believed," but and build a bottom-down approach. But from the bottom up, go from the scriptures up to how you and I ought to live and we'll try to hold ourselves accountable to the same standards that we teach and preach, and we get from that as we do anybody else. So anyway, that's what we're about, and this show is often run, we to illustrate this principle of being just a Christian in the 21st century. Sometimes we often delve into um, matters of current interest, of int- articles we read, other things that are in the news, to show how the Word of God and the principles contained in it apply today, how we would make some application. Now, you don't have to agree with our application of those things. But we want you to see that you still are bound to take what the Scriptures say as eternal truth and make an application of what it is. And if you don't agree with our application, we would invite you to not, first of all, get your own, and then secondly, discuss that with <laughs> us. We'd be glad to hear that. And without, And I don't issue that as some kind of a confrontational challenge Uh, Whether we agree or disagree, we'd like to hear from you about that. You can reach us at the numbers I gave before or the email address. We'll give that again in a few minutes. Well, you know, Gary, when talking about, he and I usually don't prepare too much in advance together for this show. We each prepare something.
0: Most of this is spontaneous. But
1: oftentimes, because of the calls we get, it's it's spontaneous and uh, probably shows, for good or for ill, but today we talked a little bit in advance about what to say since we're recording this show and it's going to air on New Year's Eve. We talked a little bit about what to say. So we we had ran across he and I had run across this uh, this article an essay a few weeks ago and never really got around to discussing it very much. It's by a, a scholar named Aaron Wren, R E N N and it's called "The End of Moral Standards." now there, it's not that's not going to be exactly what you think it's going to be about you know it's easy <laughs> to talk about well nobody has any morals anymore and all that's true and we will we'll talk about that but this is uh, probably a little bit different application of that but Aaron Wren is um, a young man and he's a as i say he's becoming a very pr- a prominent voice in the evangelical world or in the religious world in general as a commentator and a more or less a sociologist, I guess, for the religious world, R-E-N-N. He's interesting. He wrote a book or an essay a couple of years ago called uh, The Three Worlds of Evangelicalism. The Three Worlds of Evangelicalism. And so he says that they are three worlds we've lived in in the last 60 or 70, basically Gary and I's lifetime. There have been three worlds in as far as American Protestant religious people are concerned with, and so people like Gary and I. He's seventy-five or seventy-six. I'm seventy-six, 76 going on seventy-seven pretty yeah, soon. Pretty soon, I'm seventy-one. So we're both old guys. We're now considered to be in the elders generation, Gary, the elders, or close to that anyway. But in any event, uh, I'm a baby boomer. He's a baby boomer. Mm-hmm. As it were, so that's where we are. Oh,
0: real, but real baby boomers, born in the forties. I, I was mean, born right in after
1: early 52s or early fifties. I'm in the mid mid range of the baby boomers to some degree. But in any event, our lifetime has really shown these three things, and I can tell you, being a preacher for the last fifty years as an adult, that I've I've had to work through these changes without knowing about them in advance. I've had to live through them in trying to preach and teach and work with both individuals and in local churches, in trying to teach the gospel and the Bible and influence people and raise a family and and influence my grand. I've had to live through these worlds, so has Gary, and we had no one to guide us. So, But here's an interesting essay. Here's what the, here's the, here are the three worlds. We'll do this real quick, Gary. You'll go go right then, ahead. And then we'll talk about this. Because he bases what he says about the moral standards on these three worlds. The first one is the positive world. This is the United States Society before 1994, so we're talking pre-Bill Clinton, okay? That's what we're talking about historically, pre-Bill Clinton, and he said this is where society at large maintained a mostly positive view of Christianity, to be known as a church-going man, a good man, remained a part of being a good, upstanding citizen, publicly being a Christian was considered an status enhancer so that's why all these politicians when i was young in the 70s and 80s up to bill clinton even bill clinton claimed he was a christian man because it had it would be uh, important uh, jimmy carter ran as a strong christian it see? had a
0: benefit for them
1: it, had, it was a beneficial thing to be considered a christian man and so christian morals and norms were basic the basic moral norms of society and bringing and violating those standards would usually bring negative consequences. So he's going to mention like Gary Hart having to drop out of of this. Now, Bill Clinton altered this because of political pressure. He altered this so that being considered an immoral man, it was argued that this shouldn't hinder you from being accepted politically. And that worked. And we're going to talk about that. But then the negative world, I mean the, the neutral world, we went from positive to neutral, started around the time of Bill Clinton in ninety four or so, and lasted till twenty fourteen, sometime in the middle of President Obama's time in the White House. That's the neutral world. And there society took more of a, more, a neutral stance toward Christianity. It no longer Christianity no longer had a privileged status, but is not necessarily disfavored. Being publicly known as a Christian had neither a positive nor a negative impact on one's social status. Christianity became one of several valid options in a pluralistic public square. And Christian moral norms retained some residual effect. They weren't the main thing, but they retained. So it was still considered somewhat bad to have an affair or to be considered a dishonest person and so forth. Now then, beginning in 2014 to the present time, we've moved into the negative world. So things have shifted, and you know, those of us who've been alive—young people may not see this—we've seen these shifts. We understand instinctively. Gary, I did a sermon some years ago called uh, "Daddy, Tell Me About the Good Old Days," way back there, and that was based on a country song. I think one of the ju- the judge did or somebody. "Daddy, Tell Me About the Good Old Days." There was a time she says she wanted her daddy told her that men didn't, daddies didn't really go away and a man 's word was his bond, you know, and all these kind of things, so there was a time like that, and I remember that time, but that isn 't now at all that 's not the way the world is, so it presents pain to people like Gary Jones and me it, This is a painful thing to see see and then one of the isn't that, th- r- am I wrong gary no no you no, 're about this all the time you 're absolutely
0: correct and and the real tragedy is that someday I think the young people that don 't see this are going to Come alive and realize that things are changing
1: on them just like it changed on us. Right. And the exactly. Der- and, and I've tried to talk to some of my grandkids, especially the ones that are now getting grown, not to condemn them for being young. They, they didn't do this. My grandkids, you can blame the young people. No, it isn't today's young people that are to blame for this. They're passengers on the train. If anybody's to blame, it's my generation and the one that came after. It's to blame. For well, this, okay? you, you mentioned maybe that. the one before that. the The generation that really left their upbringing was the World War II generation. Okay, they and, began to leave that that whole thing behind after the Second World War.
0: And, right, and they okay. they didn't really do it during the war or before the war, but they did it really bad after the yeah. war. It, well, there it, was a lot
1: of marriages and other things and sex before. And other things went bad because we're going to go off to war. But that accelerated greatly after the war, and and that's why hippies called that well the greatest generation. They called them though the cut flower generation, some so meaning that they had the bloom of the previous culture. The, the root had been cut off.
0: Well, see, even and that root
1: was more it was traditional Christianity.
0: One of the, one of the things that that I was really going to say, we we talked about these dates pre-1994, 1994.
1: Nothing hard ask about those, but the
0: this, the foundations for that started a
1: couple of generations before those dates. Right, sure. But this is when we begin to see the real effect and he's going to look at it in this article he wrote about it, sort of in the realm of 40, Politics and public religion.
0: Yeah, subtract forty to eighty years from those beginning dates. You have the foundations of these changes coming
1: coming right along. Now I want to say this before we go any further. There, there's, I'm not saying that things. If we could just go back to 1940, it would all be great. Because there are plenty of things about American society and American people in 1940 that weren't so great. That's not the point I'm making. And preachers back then were preaching against immorality of various sorts back then, too. And it, the, and com, the sins of humanity have always been the same in present. They've just been exhibited differently in cultures. What were you going
0: to say? Uh, it's, basically, it's been with us always. It's just to the degree we, or the... How
1: would I say it? It's it's the extent of it. The extent it. of it, and the whether whether it's publicly accepted, accepted is a part of it. Now, and, and
0: public acceptance was a real important part of that. Right. Uh, now, the, living in
1: the negative world, which is from two thousand fourteen to now, society around the time of middle of Obama's presidency till now, society has come to have a negative view of Christianity. Being known as a Christian is a negative social value, particularly in the in, in the elite. Domains of society. So if you live in the Northeast, or you you try to go to major universities, or get into the media, or in entertainment, or anything like that, in any of these elite areas, being known as a Christian is extremely negative for you. Christian morality is expressly repudiated and seen as a threat to public good and the new public moral order. So being known as a Christian is explicitly considered to be an evil thing. Now, so these are the three worlds of evangelicalism, or the three worlds. And I think that's. This essay received quite a bit of some pushback, but I think, generally speaking, people are having to deal with the overall truth of this proposition. The question is not so much whether that's true, the question is whether what we're going to do do about it. Now, so it gives three different. He gives three different presidential or political scandals that illustrate this. This is what I think yeah. is interesting. The first one is in the positive world. In 1987, in the middle of the positive world, it was reported that Colorado Senator Gary Hart had been having an affair with a young woman. He was forced to drop out of the presidential race. I remember that very clearly. He was the front runner. He was the golden boy. He was the next John Kennedy. That the the, the uh, Democrats were excited because he had good looks and charm and was a, a, a Camelot disciple of John Kennedy, and he had to drop out because of an affair. And,
0: and there were there was even articles written. I remember at the time that basically his political opposition suckered him into that because he was he was a sucker for blondes and exactly and, and they he had he
1: had, he had low morals uh-huh, and so and, that and, got and, him in trouble. Yeah. Now the neutral in the neutral world. In 1998, the Drudge Report broke the story that Bill Clinton had been having an affair with an intern, Monica Lewinsky, including sex acts in the Oval Office. Bill, well, before that time, when he was running for president, he was accused of having affairs, and he denied it, and then he, accused, he was accused of smoking pot, and he said, well, I don't inhale, and everybody laughed it off. He gets in office and he and he continues to practice this immorality, and so what happened was he survived it. Though the Democratic Party rallied around Bill Clinton, and the public decided, the American public at large decided that his private behavior was not relevant to the job, and so they excused him from the standards that have been applied in the past to different political figures, both. Republican and Democrat, conservative and liberal, they, they excused Bill Clinton. So this is what one reason why this became a demarcation. So it didn't it affected him somewhat, but it certainly didn't end his political career. Okay? And then the negative world in two thousand sixteen, NBC pulled a quote, October surprise on Donald Trump by releasing an audio of him on the set of Access Hollywood saying crude things about women. It was a 48-hour blip of a scandal, and he went on to victory in November. So here is Donald Trump being accused of a sex scandal in 2016, violating Christian moral principles, and guess what? He was still elected president. So here's the three, two Democrats, Republican here. They both engage, They all engage in sexual immorality. But what happened was American culture, American morality had changed. And the point of the the title of the article is the end of moral standards. That's what you're seeing. That's why uh, Trump was able at first to not be thrown out by the American public. Well, you know, once you this was this was my problem with Bill Clinton. It, he wasn't the first. Per- John Kennedy did all these kind of things like this. Before yes, warfare. but they kept it. But quiet. they were secret. Okay, they kept it quiet with and John and so forth. But. One, but Bill Clinton allowed to become, and it was allowed, it, it was kind of a, when he said, yes, but I didn't inhale, you could see him winking to all of the young voters. See, I smoke grass just like you. And it became a badge of honor to have sex with Monica Lewinsky in the White House. And his followers perceived it to be that way. So this was a, a sea change. He was defended high from the top to the bottom. He was defended in American society among the elites. And it became a sea change. Now we see that Donald Trump can do the things he does and things he says, and people just go, "Oh well," you know. And so um, it's like, here, here's the point he makes about this. Here's the point he makes. And now, Aaron Wren is somewhat of a conservative, so listen to this point. He says the best uh, the um, one of the negative of world's effects is the destruction of any sort of moral or behavioral standards in society. So the negative world, being it is negative toward Christianity, one of the effects that has is to destroy the standards of society across the board. Not just whether you go to church or not, but moral standards in general. The best example of this is in the fact of the election of Donald Trump as president. In the positive and neutral worlds, it is unlikely that someone like Trump would could have won the presidency. He would have been seen as simply morally unqualified for office. In the negative world... Morality doesn't matter anymore. Now, that's not to say there's no standards. There are still legal standards, though even here the, connect, uh, the connected people are able to get away with a lot and so forth. But he goes on to say then basically that those who defended, who, those who tried to tear down Christianity in the previous generations and were able to destroy moral standards and then who defended people like Bill Clinton he says in this article, they're the blame for Donald Trump, because Donald Trump can never have happened unless those people had torn down a whole lot of barriers. They ran a lot of red lights along the way, right? Right. And now they, and now the consequences are here. So this isn't a pro-Trump. Show, that's not the point. I'm not making that point at all if you're listening. I'm saying that the reason you got this situation is because moral standards are broken down. Now, now, what are we going to do? we Are going to go back to 1940? I don't think we can go back there. Well, the, there's you know, also... Lots of other problems here.
0: Some of the things that, that are not always evident from some of these, there are consequences for this other than in just involving sexual immorality.
1: All immorality is connected. It's not All, just one Exactly.
0: Beast. That's that's one of the a things. A man who cheats on
1: his wife is not reliable in other areas. People used to understand that. Yes. He was, view, he was viewed as a dishonorable, untrustworthy person when he had an affair.
0: And, and one of the things that, you know, one of the things that prompts you to do about those things is what? You lie about it, Right. Right well that's that and that also disqualifies, and that's and that's so one of the all
1: those things are connected.
0: How many politicians do you trust today as opposed to what people used to think now whether they were really not liars or not you know I'll go back with you know yeah Basically,
1: I'm trying to go liar. back and find one, and I <laughs> yeah, can't. Yeah, I know. But but they lied about different kind of things, and at least they were aware that lying directly to the American people was not uh, Now, look, I, I'm going to show my partisanship to some degree here, but I remember watching this live on TV, and I remember my gut reaction, my gut reaction When Bill Clinton waved his bony finger in my face and said, I did not have sex with that woman, that Monica Lewinsky. He waved his finger at me and looked me in the eyes, a citizen on television, and directly, and I knew he was lying when he said it. And I remember my gut reaction was was so negative. Had he said, Gary, had he said yes... I did this. It's shameful. I shouldn't have done it. I need you to I need the country to pray for me and forgive me.
0: There would have been a whole What do different- you think
1: would have happened? The whole country would have rallied to subside. But he couldn't do it. And that brings up the other the point other point I wanted to make when you were talking. The real thing behind this is pride. And even back in the positive world back there in the past, even people who were proud knew that pride wasn't a good thing to display publicly. And so they appeared humble and tried to act humble in public, and it worked better. Today, being proud, I'm out there. It, it's the it's the name of a whole movement in our culture that we've all got to bow down and kiss the ring of, the pride movement. Yeah. And there's not a, it's not an accident that they call it the pride movement, okay? It's not an accident. It's purposeful. But pride is behind all of the – and then you go to the Bible. Again, looking now as a religious teacher, when I go to the Bible and begin to look at morality, you know, Humility and a contrite heart is a thing that God values. The Bible values this quality perhaps more than any other human quality of humility and gentleness and and, and contrition. And and yet that's the one thing that the elites of our society cannot bring themselves to do. And that is filtered all the way down to the common man. The only reason the only reason this these worlds Gary I make this point. Now this is not just about elites, I know I've been talking about them. The only reason these these worlds shifted from positive to neutral to negative. The only reason they shifted is because the attitudes of the common person shifted. Well, we didn't get this forced on us by some dictator in the United States. This happened because all of our attitudes about these things shifted. And all those people out there complaining about homosexual behavior and this and that and the other, they they can look at themselves in the mirror most of the time and find out that they betrayed their marital oath. You you see what I'm saying? Or they slept with women who weren't their wife or uh, men who weren't their husband. They betrayed their oath and their integrity. They've stolen. They've cheated. Uh, in in financial affairs they've lied continually
0: well one of the things that, so there the, you go. The, that we've talked about that how this progresses and how it keeps going and how it gets worse is because there's no restraint the brakes are off the, you know it's like a, a car or a truck going downhill with no brakes it keeps getting worse and worse and worse and i had a moment like you you said it wasn't bill clinton because I didn't even watch him. I, I knew already what kind I watched kind of,
1: that here that day. Uh, I, I, wanted to hear, I wanted to hear this.
0: I didn't even watch it. But I was watching a, new, a, a conservative... i got a funny story about that, but go ahead. Basically, a conservative news outlet basically was talking about what's going on. I think this was maybe a year or two ago. What's going on with pedophiles? It, the acceptance of gay people is now being transferred to the pedophile. The people that basically oh, sure. molest children can't. can't and well, this news commentator you're using
1: the negative world. There you go. You're using that you, 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 world molest instead you, you, of loving. of it loving. Yes, they love children. Gary. Well, Don't you know that love is love. Love is love is love. They love children.
0: Well, what they do is they just manipulate the words. They change the definition of, of words. Is what they do. But this 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 news commentator was saying. How in the world did we get here? What what drove us to the point that we're accepting pedophiles now as these people that molest Keep children using this
1: negative language? This and,
0: and I'm sitting there screaming at the set. It started when you you personally. I heard you accept gays and gay.
1: They accepted behavior. Bill Clinton's immorality and defended it much less yes. all the others. You know, I used to do uh, well. Get into all the details of this and get too sidetracked here, but. Um,
0: but, but I just want to tell you that God basically in his scripture paints a very bleak picture of people, the result of people who practice homosexuality.
1: That's, well, of course, but you can go, go back to this now. Back in the 90s when I had kids in high school, I was a part of a drug task force. I was the president of the drug task force in the county that I lived in, and it sounds a lot more impressive than it was. But the, we also had to do education on drugs uh, sex education on premarital sex among kids and things like this. At that time, we were trained in that, and we had seminars on this. And the thing that the people were concerned about then is all these uh, that uh, oral sex was, you know, becoming a little bit more acceptable and that kind of thing. And it it was they were it was being pushed somewhat, Gary, by the uh, people that trying to get young people to use condoms. Condoms weren't working too well. And so they were finding out that what they were trying to teach and it was being taught in schools and these things is, is oral sex was be fine because you can't get STDs. If you only focus on disease as the consequence, then, you know. And, and my point is, from that time, I remember the percentages of young people at that time who were engaging in oral sex and the ages at which this was occurring. When you come to today, since bill clinton when he said i did not have sex with that woman monica lensky he was being he was doing the lawyer bill the deceiver bill like a lawyer he was defining sex wink wink as intercourse yes okay? and since he didn't have intercourse with this woman he didn't really have sex with her now they laughed about it then but an entire generation of people have grown up young people have grown up and this is exactly what they think and that's why if you've got Listen to me, parents. If you've got girls in late elementary school or middle school, not even high school, they are being pressured by the young men to perform oral sex on them all the time. It's considered the way you get a date. It's the way you start to be friends. You practice oral sex in school or other places. This is what is known, and this is what the research is showing. And you can deny it, but where did that come from? I blame Mr Mrs. Lewinsky's boyfriend. Okay? For making it. At least he made it something, popularized it, and wink wink, it's all cool to do it.
0: And and when was this going on,
1: Mike? When were you talking these Well I'm these talking people? about the, the the nine early nineties. Okay. Before and, and, Bill Clinton, I'm looking at the re- I was involved in this.
0: And guess who was Guess who was pushing this very same idea in magazine articles on college campuses? Back in the eighties,
1: Playboy, of course.
0: Every one of every so one of my there friends. Are, there are
1: roots of all of this that we're seeing today.
0: In the nineteen sixties, this was being pushed in places like Playboy and on college campuses and things like that. I was there. I was
1: part of that. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that oral sex is a sin among married people. I am saying that if you push the idea that a disease is the big problem with having sex before marriage, well, you end up with in this place. And then you have high-profile people with a lot of influence teaching the opposite by what they do. And everybody, everybody in the press and everybody else defending it, You end up in a bad place for our children. There are consequences for this. Now then, he says here in this article, I've got so far afield, but he says here in this article that what's happened too is that we haven't lost a sense of morality in the broad definition, but the nature of the morality has changed. It's what I've been calling for 50 years nearly an alternative morality. So rather than... Sexual immorality and lying and pride being immoral. Now what you have is social justice sins as being the things that make you immoral. So it's much more a problem to be considered a patriarchal misogynist than it is to be an adulterer. Much more a problem to be considered someone who has uh, got a problem with some ethnic minority or racial or person or not take a proper position on abortion, now that's what, considered to be a more much a moral sin as it is to actually uh, commit adultery or lie or steal. Okay, now let's so un- we replace the morality with something different.
0: Let's understand when you say a problem, Mike. What do you mean when you say a problem? You really mean consequences, social or physical?
1: Yes, that's what I mean. It's more of a it's more social consequences to you if you're perceived as a patriarchal person. Than if you're an adulterer,
0: yes, and it, well, it's, unless
1: it's an adulterer against you know some kind of feminist, you know, whatever. But anyway.
0: but basically, what we're saying is it has first social consequences and then physical consequences. It basically will affect your life, and that's where when I read this article, that's that's what impressed me, was a result that he really, I don't think, explicitly says in there very strongly, if he does at all, is this is affecting all aspects of our life. You mentioned, basically, honesty, lying. Um, how, how many of you, I mean, even back in the 60s, I knew not to trust a car salesman very much. Because no and, offense
1: any car salesman. No
0: no there. offense any car salesman, but basically there were many car salesmen that... You couldn't trust. And my experience with buying cars even lately uh, has been a poor one in many ways. And, and, obv- and Because <laughs> it, it, even if they don't outright lie to you, they just don't tell you until you have yes. enough and sense I'll, to I'll
1: look at it. Let me say this, just so people can mm-hmm. chew on yes. this. One of the categories of people that <clears throat> I have several groups of people that I don't trust very much either, and I hate to say all of them because I'll get in a lot of trouble. One of those people would be clergymen, okay. Okay, and I think the general public and some of you people out there are probably nodding. I think you've had the experience of not getting straight answers from clergymen and find out that no, they didn't tell me the Bible said this or that, or or they did this. They're they're not they're not known in society. Denominational clergymen and priests aren't known in society for being honorable, honest men necessarily, Gary. Now, sometimes that negative opinion just becomes because someone takes a moral stance, and since he said no, I was wrong, then I got to break up some charge against him. But there, but there are plenty of reasons to dislike people that go around proclaiming other people to be sinners, and then they get caught in an affair or molesting children themselves, right? Right. So there's plenty of reasons to con, and we should condemn that. So I understand. But what Gary's saying though is there's a general level of of. Nobody can trust it and you can't trust anybody. It's a level of, of a lack of integrity all the way down and every it isn't the leaders, it isn't the shopkeepers, it's not the politicians. you know it's not any of those people by themselves. It's not lawyers, it's also the policemen, the judges, the prosecutors, everybody involved all the way down the line to the shopkeepers, to the customers. Nobody has personal integrity and honesty. Now I'll tell you what a dweeb I am, and maybe I'll get arrested for this. I went into our local hardware store the other day to get a few little pieces. I was trying to—I'm always trying to fix something up by doing it differently, you know, instead of just buying a new part. So I needed a few washers and bolts that I thought would fit. So I walked in the store and I'm looking at them all, and they got little bags, and I—I I had one with me to compare to the size of it and i ended up putting a washer back in my pocket and walking out i bought some but i ended up taking their washer with me and mine and it's it cost 16 cents gary and my i knew that my mama would not be happy with me stealing <laughs> A 16 cent washer. Until I took it back, I didn't feel very good. Until I took it back, we'll see. Now, what kind of a person is that? Now you say, "Well, you're just you're all hung up." Okay, I wish more people were like that. Well,
0: basically, I'll tell you a story. I'm, I mean, I'm not. I didn't say that to brag on me. Well, maybe I'm,
1: indicate a mental illness, for all I'm concerned. But go ahead.
0: I'm I'm not trying to set myself up as something special, but. Uh, Basically, most of you know, I collect firearms to some degree, and I went to a gun shop that used to be down here on Port St. Lucie Boulevard, and I bought a firearm from him, and basically I wrote him a check for a down payment on that. He ordered it. He brought it in. I wrote him another check to finish off the payment, and then we completed the transaction, and I
1: took it home. This is how old Gary is. He still uses checks. Yeah, go still, ahead. Right. I still, still use checks.
0: <laughs> and. Basically, about four months later, Sharon came to me because she keeps our books and she tells me, you know, did you write this check to this this uh, gun store? And I said, yeah. She said, it's never cleared. It's never been cashed. And I said, "Okay, uh, let me take a look at it." So I took a look at it, and we found the other check, and went back. And sure enough, it had, it had never been cashed. It had, the guy had never taken it to the bank. It was never, never recorded. You know what? I went back to the gun store, and I told him he hadn't cashed that check, and he began to look through his records. And he, sure enough, he found out that apparently it had been that part of it had been lost. And I wrote him a check. For that amount, and gave it to him, and you know he looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah. Well,
1: by today's standard, in the negative world, you are crazy.
0: I'm, I'm mentally, I'm mentally attached because it was, it was nearly two hundred bucks. Right.
1: Well, see, and, this is the, if we, if people did that, then trust would. Let me read this paragraph. Um, he says we see this in this in the example. Of the end of moral standards as above, there's basically no more basis for holding people accountable for what would have been the past been considered moral transgressions. We just don't have any basis for holding them accountable. This is affecting everything, not just sexual norms, declining trust levels, younger people saying that it's okay to break the rules to get ahead. You know, I had, when I was teaching school, this is back in the in the eighties. One kid was bold and telling me and others were too. What make what makes something wrong? He said, Well if you get caught, if you don't get caught, it's fine. And he was dead serious. I've had many young people tell me that over the years, that as long as you don't get caught, it's okay. And so he so they'll break the rules. Various college admissions scandals, the soaring numbers of students claiming to be disabled, and other people. I see people all over that claim to be disabled, and they're not actually disabled. Ballooning executives' pay with no basis for it. Scientific fraud. We saw all this during COVID. Uh, increasing shamelessness of all varieties. And and now we have the, Climate pres- change. The, pre- the president of Harvard with 40 different counts of plagiarism on her academic record, and they won't hold her accountable for it. Because it's not really plagiarism, if you see so here's, the, and that's the problem. And if you take certain political viewpoints, it's not really plagiarism. It's only plagiarism if you're not don't take the approved viewpoints. And when people see that, okay, you can complain about it. And it might be you could go the other way, conservative or liberal. But when people see that in society, they lose confidence. So they don't trust in nobody has any trust for anybody, and I'm not saying that they should. They probably shouldn't have trust for anybody,
0: but it's the way
1: we want to live.
0: And they wouldn't even call it plagiarism. They could, I think they call it something like inappropriate, Yeah. In, what was inappropriate,
1: it? Inappropriate approbation or citations or something like that. So. it's It's the same thing as plagiarism, but we have a new name for it now. And just so, so, it but, so it doesn't sound so bad. It doesn't sound bad. It's just so here here's his point in this article in the end is you, you can't you're not going to put the genie back in the bottle, okay, very easily. There's where we are. And you and I can sit here and complain about it and cry and moan about it, but the genie's not going back in the bottle. So what can be done about this? Well, politically, you know, he says the Republican Party is well, as the, the Democratic Party pretty soon is going to look completely like the Jerry Springer show. Okay. Hey, and guess what? I've been on the Jerry Springer show before, Gary. You, might, you probably know that. <laughs> i met Jerry Springer. I know this man. Anyway, he was a mayor in the town where I grew up. Anyway, I met him on his show. But anyway, that's another whole story. But anyway, there are going to be plenty of these moral failures all throughout both political parties. Other people in power, people that you know. And where it really where the rubber meets the road, Gary, for most people that I meet was in the breakup of their family over divorce. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes most divorces are because of some sin somewhere. Lack of integrity, sexual sin, financial sin, physical abuse type sins. The breakup of the family occurred because of that sin that was never corrected and all of that kind of stuff. And so it uh, it's a real problem for people. That's where people are having difficulties, especially young people. And so they end up thinking that there's no hope. And, and maybe there's not. You know, uh, in the long run, these people, Politicians are just going to go ahead and ignore this stuff and use it against their mates. For example, um, pe- people can comment about what bad moral character Trump has, but rather than an even-handed commitment to being having character in public affairs, all they're trying to do is peel off votes for from him. There are people that might comment about uh, some some dishonest thing that a more progressive or liberal politician does. It's not because they believe in, in morality in politics. It's because they just want to get the votes for themselves. So right. this is what we're seeing. And then that leads <coughs> to an overall cynicism about everything in life. Now, people talk about lawyers. You know, most of the lawyer I haven't met too many, but most lawyers, several of them that I've met in real life, they're no different than anybody else. They're not any more honest or dishonest than anybody else I've ever met. But I haven't seen them in in a hard-pressure situation, and I couldn't afford a good lawyer. <laughs> Maybe the difference is the kind that are good lawyers are the kind that are sleazy, and the other run-of-the-mill lawyers are more average. I don't know. But in any event, that, that, that won't get us anywhere, whether you're liberal or conservative, politically or religiously. Just complaining about some other person and yet doing the same thing and defending it in your own friends, that won't get us anywhere. And so, what are you going to do? All right. He says in this little essay here, I start from the position that the responsibility for the negative consequences of the collapse of moral standards Pardon me. I didn't have my phone turned off here, but I would start from the position that the collapse in moral standards is belongs to those who primarily tore them down. Okay, it's their it's their problem. If they want to complain about politicians not having moral standards today, they need to take accountability for the people they defended in the past. Well, that that's that's true in churches, families, everywhere.
0: Okay. That's that's true. The people that contribute to that suffer the consequences of it, but there are other people, Mike, and, and maybe they are much fewer in number, and I hope many of the people that listen to us are, are among that. It costs you as well. You're, you do not escape the cost of this even if you don't practice these things you don't escape the consequences of it because it, you mentioned one no
1: that's right we all face it
0: we all that's- face it but we it's it's co- it's costing you dollars that you don't realize my son used to work for a auto parts place and he said he how many people he caught shoplifting parts off of the shelf and and basically the store didn't do very much about it because you know, it was too hard or too political. Well, they
1: view, they, they get sued.
0: Yeah, or they, are they, or they get and sued. Kind of and to the point that they had a word for it in their bookkeeping. It was called inventory shrinkage. Right. They called it inventory shrinkage. They didn't call it
1: theft.
0: shop theft, theft. or th- theft. shoplifting. They called it inventory shrinkage. What do you think happens to the prices of those parts in that store because of what? this inventory what? shrinkage? Oh.
1: They have to go up sure. if the store stays in business. And then they have to hire security and buy security cameras and all that. And yeah. guess that what that. Does, and, and
0: they have to do bookkeeping and more work. Okay. And so does. the price of the things that you buy every day cost you more because, at least in part, of this decay in moral standards. We
1: had a member here years ago who was a supervisor for Walmart in this area. And if I remember the numbers correctly, this was some years this was eight or ten years ago, maybe maybe not quite that. Not about around that time. It was at
0: least before COVID.
1: Yes, he said to me one day that of the stores here in Port St. Lucie, Fort Stewart, and around here, they they averaged over six hundred thousand dollars per year in retail theft. Close to a million dollars in a couple of these stores in theft. Well, now...
0: Inventory that, shrinkage.
1: Yeah, that, that's not the fault of the president. That's not the fault of Congress. That's not the fault of the board of directors of Walmart or whoever else you want to blame. It's not just the big guy. That's the fault of people that shop at Walmart who steal things. Yes. Okay, and they're common people. So I'm not laying the blame for all this on the rich and all of us common people can get a pass. We're guilty too and until we decide we're not going to personally participate in that kind of living and live that way things aren't going to get any better and and the, you know the bible for example says this in both ways and i uh, we did a sermon some years ago about uh the bible and the constitution but it go this is not the direct point but a similar point it has two verses about justice and it says you will not um Practice. I'm going to paraphrase: Injustice against a poor man in court as a witness, you cannot be prejudiced against a poor man. It also says you can't be prejudiced in favor in against favor against of the rich a, man or against a rich person. Yeah, you can't. You have to practice justice, and you can't be unfair to a rich person or or unfair to a poor person. And depending on how society shifts and and what is happening. Sometimes it seems like society is in favor of doing doing bad things to rich people, you know, off with their heads. Sometimes we're in favor of doing bad things to poor people. Well, they get what they deserve, you know. You have all these slogans. And so but the Bible goes right down the middle and says, no, you have to do what's just and fair. So it's no more right for me to steal something from Walmart that costs 15 bucks than it is for somebody... Who is rich to steal a car, something a hundred thousand dollars car or other product? They're both theft. They're both wrong. They both are a moral failing, and, and we need to understand. And it's it. I, I'm it's not a here, so.
0: right. It's not forgiven because you think you deserve it either. It basically this. I'm just going to read a passage here. I, I like to go back to the scripture, but in Leviticus, God is giving the law to the to the children of Israel that they're coming out of uh, slavery in Egypt. And he says in verse 35 of Leviticus 13, he says, you shall do here, here's how you know what justice is, Mike. You shall do no ju- injustice in judgment in measurement of length, weight, or volume. You shall have honest scales, honest weights, an honest ephah, and an honest hind. I am the Lord your God. Basically he's telling them they've got to do this. This is what justice is. It's an injustice when you go in and loot and rob. Right. It's an injustice when you cheat somebody out of something that you agreed to do. Right. All of these things. God says in another place do all do all that comes out of your mouth. He says, basically, no matter what it is, do it. If you don't do this, this is injustice, and it, it's it basically a sin. And we will have to give account of that one day.
1: Now, here's something he says is exactly. Here's what something he says in this article that um, I think we should think about. He says, because society has rejected the previous moral rules, those who wish to live by some sort of code have to create a new moral community in which to enforce them. He said, modern orthodox Judaism is a good example of a moral community that lives by its own standards and practices apart from the mainstream of society without withdrawing from society altogether. You have other religious groups, Quakers and Mennonites, somewhat the same way. Now here's what he goes on to say. uh, That There's research, don't underestimate the value of a a determined minority of people on what they can accomplish on morality. There's some research that suggests that if only 10% of a population strictly adopts a belief that that's a tipping point at which the rest of society will adopt it. Think about 10 ten percent that. that's what he said now I've never heard that before this guy's pretty educated and smart I would say there's worth that's worth thinking that it might be something to it that's so, one in ten people if they if they shift in their belief well I'll give you an example of this belief in UFOs okay that's tipped and it isn't because there's some real solid evidence for that yeah uh, for, it's because people one in ten people began to believe it.
0: Uh, so, so we 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 ask ourselves, and, and he, what's the remedy for this? We do not understand the impact of God's word, or what other people call religion. I'm just going to say God's morality or truth is on our everyday life and how much it costs us to
1: live. Yeah, we underestimate the influence. We,
0: we, we underestimate that.
1: Look at this. He says here, even without this tipping point, though moral communities can still be powerful. The Quakers are a Christian example that I've mentioned before. In 19th century England, that's the 1800s. In the 1800s in England, which was the land of sharp dealers and shady dealers and buyer beware, people sought out Quakers to do business with because they were known to be trustworthy. They didn't lie, steal, or sell products that they knew were dodgy. They were, as one person put it, a moral mafia. They enforced a moral code. They lived by that. People knew this, and they began to patronize them and and try to imitate that. But for this to happen, it actually requires that you have to have a unified minority that actually functions as a moral community. And let me tell you something. Modern religion, modern mega church religion does not, does not qualify because people can look at it with all the hairspray and hair gel and see that it is not a moral community okay that and and the way and the scandals that all these fellows get involved in tell people that's not a moral community but it does say here i think he's saying to us as true believers and Christians who are trying to take the word seriously, not trying to teach these things to advance ourselves. He says there is hope that if we would actually live right over time and teach our children and families to live well and live right and do business with other people that live this way, we can have an impact on society. Now, the scripture for that is you are the light of the world Right. and you are the salt of the earth right. now that goes back to that now now we don't often apply it but this does not strike now uh, look I, I subscribe to the Church Leaders Podcast so I can tell you that uh, Church Leaders Podcast is not going to think that that is a solution to this problem it has to be in their view a top down imposed solution by the clergy and has to be all strategized and all that maybe Aaron Rins the same way I don't know But most of the time, it is what's going to work in the long run is when you and I decide that the scriptures are going to make a difference in my life, I'm going to make sure they make a difference in my family, the way my family lives, and they're going to make a difference in the the way that I do business over time, the way I conduct my moral affairs, my personal affairs, and the way I conduct my business. We can make a difference among the people around us. We can't. It's not impossible to do that. Now, other Christians have decided they're going to take the uh, Benedict option, which is St. Benedict, if they call him that, is the one who created a lot of these monasteries and cloistered communities where Christians banded together and lived together in certain places. And then you introduce another whole set of sins, Gary, when you bunch all the Christians together, and they all got to have leaders. Now, then you invite the same prideful behaviors into those communities as you had in the other ones.
0: Well, it it keeps going back again to pride and (laughs) self-interest. And Jesus said what? You know, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that has one aspect of it. But then he said in another place you should you should love each other as i have loved you now wow when you go back and look at what his example was that's something else entirely and what we have to do is go back and understand that uh, i'm just going to say isaiah 57 and 15 he says for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity whose name is holy i dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to receive the heart of the contrite ones? God lives with humble people.
1: Now, the, Jesus put it this way: If I'm not misunderstanding what you're saying, Gary, the meek shall inherit the earth. Yeah, the meek shall Blessed inherit are the it. meek. For they shall inherit the earth. And so, the meek and the humble, God says, will, will inherit the earth. Now, then, we can question what that means, but I think that means that God is going to protect them, the meek, and over time he is going to destroy the wise, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and the people who are trying to do right are going to be proven to be correct over time, not in any individual situation. So the gist of this, we've got a couple minutes left, but the gist of this today then is that it's okay to be upset and heartbroken over the condition of our society. And it wasn't always like this, young people. And I say it doesn't have to be like this in the future, especially in your own life. Now, Jesus not only talks about doing right, but he also teaches us how to live in a world where other people don't do right. But we can, we can uh, improve our own moral climate, our own life together, living in this negative world. We can have an impact, and we, and it, we can do the right thing. So what, what, don't lose heart.
0: Yeah. One quick don't note though, heart. don't lose heart, but remember this, all of these things that are being done that are wrong, all of these things that are basically injustices in this world that people are committing, they will answer for at some point in time.
1: Yeah, that's true. And Gary, let me tell you something. Not necessarily on this when earth. You look but at how powerful the Roman Empire and the Greek Empires were at the time of Christ and on, you, will, you see that, that all this sexual immorality Adultery, homosexuality, all that was so rampant. And not in a very quick, not overnight, but that was destroyed by God. Okay. All destroyed. Well, our time is gone today. Thank you for listening. We pray that you'll uh, tune in again next week to our show. And we hope that you'll uh, join us then. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to We Are Just Christians. Live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie on WPSL Port St. Lucie.